This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. There's so much to get into. It's great to be back in the studio, Mitch. Thanks for having me back, man. Yeah, yeah, you did well to get your job back after yesterday. Mm. Yeah, well, Stephen McIver is a ultimate professional, and thank I thank him for filling in, jumping in the yeah. seat. Yeah, is it warm? No, it's been. A bit, I think the aircon's been on in the studio <laughs> overnight. Actually, it's. Uh, so I wonder. I don't know if some of the studio must have still been asleep. Maybe Joe <laughs> included <laughs> just didn't quite move his mouse before he turned himself on today. This had that kind of like screensaver. <laughs> oh, classic, bro. No, how are you? You had a good day off. Yeah, I did. I had a nice. really, really good day off. I did um, bugger all. Yeah. Good shift. The account's looking healthy after the weekend. Yeah, had a fill-up. Yeah. Had a good fill-up. Loved it as a punting day. It was a day for the punters. We were t- telling you all last week, um, dynastic, Opie Bosson. Remember, we were on to it on, day, mm. on Monday or Tuesday last week, weren't we? Saying, today's, it was Tuesday. Today's the day that Opie chooses which horse he's going to be on, and it was the biggest lead you can pretty much get. Um, to and, the, and the money kept coming. Wolverine, a very good second. Quinella made sense. Yep. At Caracamillion, and um, yeah, had it. So I had a really fun evening there. And then yesterday, just you know, while summer's still summer, just taking an extra day just to get the voice back a wee bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we spoke about two Kaka as well, and I I enjoyed watching that ride. Um, did you feel like it was a bit unlucky? Did a lot of work to get free to come second. Uh, two Kaka was huge, man. Yeah, awesome, Leith, really good ride by Leith, to be honest. Mm. Got him off probably a bit later than he would have liked. I mean, the reality is Pin Me Up was flying. It was just an incredible ride. Sam Weatherly, what a good dude. Um, it was in good form, eh? Incredible form, and, and it was the, you know, it wasn't it wasn't on the bubbles like everyone thought. Tiako, um, poor Jared Smith and Hamish Hayes and the crew oh, were thinking of you today, team, like... I thought I thought our um, sleep on it with Smitty last night. I thought we we might have to ask him how much Jared lost on the punt. How, how was Smitty yesterday? Uh yeah, he was good. He was actually good. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we didn't go into it. We didn't go into the old. Well, punt. It, it, said it was no. Punt? It's not really because it, it'll be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he didn't even run a place, and I know a lot of people had loaded up yeah. on the place as well. And 
you know, you never want to, I, I don't know, I've never been in the position, but I imagine you would never want to own a dollar sixty shot in a million dollar race. <laughs> because although that might make no sense and people might be like, yes, of course you would, because then you're pretty much... A sh- what? Why is that? Because you're you're a target in the race, and and people like like what happened. You got push push wide, um, kind of a bit of that. Yeah, just also just like all the pressures on you. Mm. Everybody's watching you. It is a horse race. Yeah, anything can happen. True. You're right though. Vinnie Colgan not having much time for his <laughs> his long mate Opie Boss and just nah. kicked up on the inside, and Opie yeah. couldn't get in. Posted three wide, and yeah, just like he's. He's a, he's a fabulous horse on the bubbles, and he'll keep. Don't worry. It's like mm. it just just yes, uh, Saturday wasn't his day. Whereas pin me up, and how's this? Jamie Richards comes on the mail run on Saturday morning. You say outside on the bubbles. What would your smoky be for the day? He says, "Mate, pin me up is flying." Really? Pin me up a top three, top four. So I had a little bit of a. I got a bit of the five fifty a place on pin me up. Yep. Just didn't want to go on the twenty six bucks. Nah. But and I regretted it. I actually thought that that I thought pin me up was on the bubbles for half a second, and then I was like, no, hold on, <laughs> on the bubbles was down there. That can't be right. And two to Kaka, as you point out, gets out late, and um, again, charge time. Just some good mail there from Tony Pike mm. that the horse was flying, and and I might have got a little slice of the four dollars to place for the Derby as well. Oh, good. So now he's into a dollar eighty a place for the Derby. Yep. So yeah, promising, promising gallop at Kaka. So it was a big weekend, mate, and. Yeah. Um, some NFL, yeah. How good's it been, eh? So oh. good to watch, so good to watch. But we'll crack on to that a little bit later. But how good, mate? Very, so very good. Those games yesterday, I some think... of the best football. I reckon the last couple of weeks, last couple of weeks, some some of the most exciting football I've ever watched. Yeah, I well, I'm, I, I couldn't um, disagree with that. I think I feel for our guy Dal Reed right now, <laughs> the Bills Mafia co-founder that we spoke to. Um, Pretty brutal way for the Bills to go out because yesterday they played the perfect game. If you're not an NFL fan, well, just take our word for it. You know, like occasionally you kind of get like supercharged versions of sport. And yesterday in the NFL, we had two games that were off their head. <laughs> Crazy, eh? Very, very, very special um, duel between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. You know, we spoke about actually. Joe, Kieran, turn your mics on. Mitch, this is for you as well. Joe Burrow or Josh Allen? Ten years. Be honest after what you saw yesterday. Yeah, no, I definitely did waver for a second, and then I thought about it last night. I thought definitely still Joe Burrow. Definitely. <laughs> okay, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, well, got, get sacked that many times and you still get up. He played the perfect game and lost, and it's not even his fault. Like he just got out dueled by like a ch- offense yeah, that's yeah. that's just probably equivalent to, you know, I don't know. Special Kieran, uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take Tom Brady over the next ten years, mate. Still not, still not counting him out. Yeah, no, his hair, yep. his hair is looking lovely. Well, Stephen A. Smith reckons he was he was looking at Josh Allen as as the new Tom Brady coming forward. So Doesn't there that happen to every quarterback that comes into the league? <laughs> it's like the next LeBron James, you know, it happens all the time. Mm. Well, nah, so in all seriousness, be, I just want to know Joe Barry. You reckon? In all seriousness, yeah, Joe Barry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Die on your swords. That's fine. That's fine. I, I mean, well, they're still in the comp, eh? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Joe yeah. Josh Allen, he's useless. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, no, honestly, I no, thought, I thought what, what he was doing yesterday, yeah. I could, that was exactly why I chose him last week because mm. I just, 
if it's not him, how do they hang in that game? He's using his legs. Mm. I mean, I was thinking like he's like yeah. You know we well, Dan Carter actually released a film about himself called The Perfect Ten. <laughs> so, but DC like he's for he was so perfect for like he, for such a long part of his career. You just couldn't stop him. He, he had it all. He could kick. He could pass. He could run. Especially when he was at his athletic prime. Watching Josh Allen yesterday, like in the pocket, mm. he's a got weapons. Well, he doesn't really have... He's got weapons, so he can throw, but he's using his legs. He's knocking people over. It's just there's nothing he couldn't do, and they still lost. <laughs> well, Mahomes, basically, you've got the two best running quarterbacks in the in the comp, don't you? I think that was the exciting thing. Just the scrambling, particularly early from Mahomes, you know, could have been sacked numerous times. Um, got them out of trouble every time. Kind of just got the momentum got going for them to be able to get ahead. So, mate, what a... Jeez... It's kind of sad that, that that was in the conference final. I feel a bit disappointed about that. Next This week's going to be a little bit of an anti-climax. Well, I mean, you've got Joe Burrow, the best quarterback for the next 10 years, so I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why it would be, but I think that's my point in a nutshell right there, Mitch. So, you know, like we had the best two teams, the best two quarterbacks duking mm. it out. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, speaking of Tom Brady, the Los Angeles Rams managed to down Tampa Bay in just equally as insane fashion. So... Again, Tom Brady does it, comes back from 27-3 down. <laughs> Again. Only in Tom Brady fashion. As well. I just couldn't believe it. Like, it, almost, it almost felt like the, the Rams had to let them back in the game. It was like someone's like, tipped them off or something like that. And I was like, no, this can't be happening. You can't, mm. Not another fumble. It's just an unbelievable series of events and just to convert as well. Um, that's, why, that's why he is the GOAT. Uh, interesting. Um, to do that with a lot of his offensive line out injured um, and still be able to compete, um, they're being ravaged by injuries, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, to particularly this season. Last year they were healthy, and that's why they had a good run. This year, not so much. And even Brady said, he said oh, that he doesn't know, he wants to go out on a Super Bowl win, but he didn't feel like this year was going to be the year. Um, so he didn't feel like they were the best side in the comp and still almost pull off that win. Um, but it was fitting, wasn't it, Stafford to, to cup, um, to kind of to finish it off. I think that was uh, it's kind of how the whole season's been really, hasn't it? And, you know, the story of the season, Cooper Cup, just been absolutely outstanding. So, Well, I, I think um, now the Rams, you'd have to say, will be favourite. I haven't checked the odds, but I assume they'd be favourite against the uh, 49ers and not even really knock on the 49ers. It's just finally we've spoken about the Rams previously the firepower that they brought in, it's finally all meshing together and that defence was just terrifying. Tom Brady, to be able to come back even though they lost, to be able to come back and stand in the pocket with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, those guys flying at you and just pressure after pressure after pressure, getting hit, getting yeah. knocked down. And the bloke's 44. It's it's pretty incredible. So yesterday, one of the more memorable days of sport in the NFL, the Australian Open was awesome as well. Um, I'm sure we can. We'll talk a bit more about that with Sebastian Lavi. How was? I, I haven't spoken to you, mate. He went down to the Coromandel, didn't you? Yeah, Coromandel, mate. Yeah, it was lovely actually. Sun yourself. Sun myself. Yeah, we had that multi that we put on my five or six legs. So I was just saying yesterday to the to the listeners that um we had 45 minutes without the baby and we ended up at the pub and 
and we we watched the race at the pub. So yeah, Mrs. got fizz day. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Forty forty five whole minutes without the baby. Yeah, <laughs> cheers, mate. Yeah, it was great. That's, yeah, that's this is awesome. Big big go. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So yeah, that was it was a cider for the missus and a pint of sahi for myself. And oh, lovely. And that was it. Watched the race and date. Yeah, we got the we got the five out of six on the multi. So we took a bit of cash home. Yeah, it would have been nice. Alley Cat in the in the uh, oh, first year. No, bro. Man. That was the only one we missed, and it was on the place as well. So gutting, bro. Yeah, it was it was a tough day, but it was the day for the punters in the end. So, but you hit. So, so talk me through this because I actually was too scared to ask. I thought I might have led you, but but you did hit five of your six, and that yeah, was five what? of my six. Yeah. So happy as uh, I got four hundred and sixty bucks back. Oh, so, yeah. It was a day for the punters. <laughs> yeah, what, what was I saying? It was, it was a day it for was, the punters. Mate. Yeah, I think it was about. Yeah, nine hundred up for the day. Awesome. Yeah, happy days, mate. What about um, what about the the BGP lads? We spoke to Luke last week. I yeah, mean, this I don't know if you if you were watching along with the Crackamillion, you would have seen and heard the the chants and stuff, and just the atmosphere and and the punters club nearly cleared a million dollars on the last race. Wicked, eh? If Miss Ella placed, ran a fifth, and looked like it was definitely going to place on the corner as well. So, you well, know, the chat that um, Nab had been tipped off that he was on on Babylon. Uh, oh, Benfoot, <laughs> who yeah. uh, we spoke to Benfoot on Friday, right? And we yeah. said, yeah, somebody told him that the, the lads were going to win a mil- over a million dollars if Babylon Berlin win, and he started sweating bullets. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was so nervous, and it was wrong. It wasn't even, it was oh, only about, qu- it was about a quarter of that, but had a good win on Babylon Berlin. Yeah, but geez, that would have been great if that was the other league of the multi. <laughs> Yeah, to take yeah. that million dollar million dollar bet, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just missed on our, our alley cat. That was it, mate. What um, else did you have? I had um, Imperatriz for for a place. Nice, easy as dynastic top three Babylon Berlin Berlin for the win. Nice. So we watched that as well. Two Dakaka had for the play. Oh, top four. Nice on your tip, that- and then we had our uh, rapid rapid falls for a top three. Yeah, so she came in four hundred sixty dollar little. Uh, Beautiful. Profit on that one. So that's yeah. what that's what we do. That's what well, we love. Mate, I didn't even know that you could like do a multi with places. That's how terrible my party. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way forward. Get, get your winner. Babylon Berlin was such I actually thought that was the one that was like Yeah, so I thought our, our Alley Cat will get a top three. Uh, uh, bad bit, start. Bit sore uh, Alley Cat. Yeah. It came up a bit sore. It was a funny race, uh the Westbury Classic. The, the the night was awesome. It was a great day. Uh, I'm glad we pr- we gave it the time of day we did on SCNZ, and we, yeah, no, we seriously did pump it up to away. I, I think or gave it the the respect it deserved as a sporting event in New Zealand. And I think what we've then realised is it was probably the last sporting event. So I'm sure people would have enjoyed themselves over the weekend, whether it was there or. <laughs> It's going to be a wee while without events. You know, the red light situation, not much changes in terms of, I guess, day-to-day existence. You can nah. s- but you won't be going to a crack-a-million <laughs> <laughs> no, week, this weekend coming, will nah, you? it's so. good for Auckland Racing that they got that. Got that in, eh? Yeah, definitely. All right, yeah. 19 minutes past six. There's still plenty to come. I want to talk some Australian Open. Uh, we'll continue to talk the NFL. Later on, I'm going to ask you, about insane or unbelievable sporting days because, or, or sporting events because I, I just genuinely don't know whether we've seen anything like that. There's been plenty going on around the world. We'll hear some more about the tennis up after this here 
SCNZ Summer Breakfast, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Um, one thing that pops up each and every year, which I consider unbelievable, probably because it's so foreign to what I'm willing to put my body through, is the Coast to Coast. It is an event for people that love pushing boundaries and love getting out there. Adventure sports in general, it's something that I'm not overly familiar with, but I do understand how iconic and how important the Coast to Coast event is to New Zealand. And that's why when the news has come through that due to uh, the traffic light, which is obviously now red, and the COVID-19 protection framework that the Kathmandu Coast to Coast organisers are working through, they had made the unfortunate decision, and I know they'll be completely disappointed here, to cancel the two-day Kathmandu Coast to Coast event. The two-day individual two- and three-person relay teams and the tandem teams were holding out hope that the one-day Kathmandu Coast to Coast event and um, uh, the longest day elite and the longest day competition still can go ahead. And I know one man that will be hoping they can go ahead as well as Dougal Allen, defending champion. It's awesome to have you on the program, Dougal, although a little bit of uncertainty. Yeah, probably an understatement, I guess. We find out a little bit more tomorrow as to whether the event may or may not happen. So training as per usual, trying not to drink beer and and acting like uh, it is going to go ahead. But I suppose we... We really don't know at this stage. Did you want to turn to the beer fridge when you heard that they were? Because um, I know you're you're entrenched in this as a coach as well, so you'll know a lot of disappointed people that won't be able to compete in their disciplines. That's right, and I suppose for listeners, um, just to clarify those those different event options. In essence, the two day event is sort of the heart and soul, I suppose, of the event, and uh, both both the one and the two day race cover the same course. Uh, but the one day is obviously do it in one one hit, so they don't stop at any stage. The two days stop halfway. There's a there's a city of tents that's um, set up in Arthur's Pass at the halfway point, and as I say, really um, the traditional kind of heart and soul of the event. So um, very very sad for those involved in the two day event that that event's not happening for the 40th anniversary this year. Uh, but for the one day race, which traditionally is you're sort of more competitive than elite. Um, participants that there is a glimmer of hope so he's hoping Dougal, um, obviously there's going to be a few sacrifices around um, if you can do the one day race, uh, do you think that, that you'll have to compete with a smaller team, like I know your support teams are, are quite important uh, for this race, could, could there be a chance that you'll have no support crew and, and how hard would that be for that race Yeah you're right the, the support crew side of things can make or break your success on the day so um, I think one thing we've learned in the last few years is that you've got to be adaptable and um, normally I would have four people follow me through the day um, as I try and win the event but if that if that becomes one person or as you say maybe even unsupported um, I'd like to think in this in this multi-sport and adventure racing world we're pretty good at adapting so we'll, we'll roll with the punches there and probably just be thankful if the event goes ahead at all really. Pretty good at adapting, and I know you're you're um, not adverse to trying to put your body through things that you haven't necessarily done done before, Dougal. But is it going to be quite daunting, or, or maybe that's not the right word? Word, but the uncertainty. Just going back to where we started, can that make you feel a little bit anxious at all, or are you just trying to keep your mind clear? Um, yeah, I'd be lying if I said that my mind was clear. It's um, it's been <laughs> tricky falling asleep at night at the moment. The brain's been a bit scattered, but. Um, I think, yeah, the event itself, there's so much involved, so many moving parts, and, and to arrive at the start line healthy and fit is um, a bit of a juggling act in itself. So 
in previous years I've probably sweated the small stuff and, and this year in many ways it's put me at peace a little bit more because just seeing the event go ahead will be a huge relief and so maybe a lot of the little things I used to stress over leading into the race will become less significant so that could be a positive spin on it but um, yeah it's, it hasn't been an easy sort of mental journey through the last few days. Yeah, what kind of exercises do you do from a, a mental skills kind of standpoint? And is is there anything that stood out for you for because it's such a, a grueling mental and physical sport that you do? Um, is there anything out there that you'd be able to suggest any resources for anyone listening who's who's thinking about doing an event like this? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I did I did do the old phys ed degree back in the day and the sports psych papers and and got a little bit of the theory, but really most of what I've learned from a sports site point of view has just been through 15 years of racing. And, you know, I've had opportunities, for example, last year to race the God's Own Adventure Race with Richie McCaw and, um, you know, picked his brains for five days without sleep. And um, a lot of, as I say, what I've learned has been on the go. And I think the big message as a coach right now that I'm promoting to my athletes, especially those that were lining up the two-day event and have now had that cancelled is, you know, sport teaches us so many things, but I think the big, the biggest thing sport teaches us is to just stay in the moment and, and try and control the controllables. And and right now, for those two-day people, um, they can't control the fact that the event's been cancelled, but what they have controlled is the ability to become fit and healthy and, uh, you know, skilled enough to be ready to do the event in the first place. And none of that suddenly disappears, so... Um, I think it's it's probably an opportunity just to reflect on that journey that's taken place mm. and, and really ask yourself, you know, do I regret the decisions I've made and here I am, um, you know, fit and healthy and ready to rock. So those skills and that fitness and, and that state of health is transferable to so many more areas of life, not just the coast to coast. And um, so you know, right. I, I think... Yeah, that, that's probably the important message right yeah, now. Yeah, that's bang on. Re- a really great message there as well, Dougal. Uh, let's let's assume that it's going to go ahead. Who is going to be your biggest competition um, and challenge you for that title this year? Yeah, every year you've got um, a couple of knowns and there will always be a couple of unknowns. But right now, um, Sam Henson, Bobby Dean, Ryan Kuzanowski, those three blokes are um, experienced. They've all been on the podium before and they all bring the complete package to the race. So they're the guys that get me out of bed every morning and, and get my job done. But on the day, I think what's favourable for the one-day event going ahead is that it very much is a time trial and we spread out pretty quickly and, and, you know, I can be on that river for three hours without seeing someone. So it can be pretty lonely out there, but um, in the in the current uh, COVID climate, that's, that's not a bad thing, is it? Social distancing. <laughs> so, those, those three guys are definitely contenders, but I'll be doing my own thing on the day. Yeah, it's not like you'll be in a pack trying to hit the line at the same time, is it? Just quickly, before we let you go, what does a, I know you see your training like it's going to go ahead. What does a day this far out from the event look like for you? What sort of uh, like coverage are you doing or are you just trying to keep your body right? Uh, we're still we're still pushing along. I mean, I won't sort of taper until probably next week. So, you know, right now it's um, obviously the three sports are kayaking, cycling and running. And uh, anything from an easy day might be, say, two hours of training and, and a bigger day, maybe five or six hours. So that gives you a little bit of perspective on what's involved for, for an elite competitor. And, 
you know, I, I do have a coaching business and two young kids, so um, there's a bit there's a bit going on in the background too. But I think that's what you find, generally speaking, in multi-sport is there's no real such thing as a professional athlete. So we're all um, juggling a lot outside of it. So it's um, it's it's a busy lifestyle, but again, it's one that um, we're all pretty pretty lucky to do, really. And no doubt your family and having that business does make that, you know, helps with perspective in times like this and, and that sort of thing, man. It's great to have you on the show. Look, we, we're rooting for it to go ahead, but if it can't, it sounds like you've got your head screwed on and you can help some other people through a pretty turbulent time for the multi-sport athletes in New Zealand. It's awesome to catch up this morning, Dougal. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Without further ado, let's welcome in our next guest here. It's um, There's been some incredible moment, moments on court. I'm sure Sebastian Lavi could probably think of a few. He's probably been in some games himself where he's done the unthinkable. But it's the middle of the Australian Open. We're into the second week. It's getting to squeaky bum time. There was some incredible tennis played yesterday. We've got the big guns in the right spots and a couple of great storylines as well. He's got the Sebastian Lavi Tennis Academy. We've had him on the show previously talking about his partnership with Newsies but today is just all about tennis. Morning, Sebastian. How you doing? Morning, guys. How are we doing? Yeah, we're doing good. How's it been for you? Are you able to train in, in this uh, traffic light system? Are you still having people through your academy, or does it kind of have to shut up shop a bit? No, we're really, really, really lucky, to be honest. Um, obviously, everyone's got to be vaccinated, and there's a little bit of issues in and out of the clubs, but in terms of training, everything goes as is, and we're actually at a we're actually at a few tournaments at the moment. Um, a few kids are playing down in Wellington, a few in Christchurch, and then some over at uh, on the shore at Albany. So it's all happening, which is great. Um, it was a long time that we weren't able to get on the courts, but it's uh, thankfully all going smoothly. Yeah, awesome. Well, as being a former top player yourself, I'm I'm certain you you'll have an eye all over the Australian Open and be enjoying that. Is there any takeaways so far from the tournament, or any storylines in particular that you've loved? Oh, I think I think for me probably uh, it's maybe Gavin Morfis coming back and playing at the level that he's playing. Um, he's always been a showman. He's always had great results, but it kind of feels like um, you know <laughs> he's always saying I've matured, I've matured. But it kind of seems like at the moment he's playing he's playing unbelievable tennis. Obviously winning a title earlier in the year, and uh, it's just really exciting to see him competing at this level again because uh, he's someone you know he's someone that tennis loves. Yeah, we could end up seeing a matchup between him and uh, and Rafa. Uh, I mean, Rafa yeah. seems like we we thought going into the tournament he might struggle, uh, but it looks like he's back to some of his best tennis. I, I completely agree with you. Look, the, the tables have turned pretty quickly. Um, everyone talking about Djokovic getting his twenty first Slam, um, and now Nadal's only a few matches away from that. So it's it's getting really interesting. Um, he's obviously playing amazing tennis. And uh, there's, it's a really exciting quarterfinal, to be honest. It's it's hard to pick a winner. There's a few favourites, but it's very hard to pick a winner. Do do you genuinely believe that, like, if it was him versus Medvedev, that he'd actually stand a chance on the hard court? Oh, definitely, he'd definitely stand a chance. I mean, look, it's, they play at such a high level, and the margins are so small that it could be the way. Um, at this stage, I would probably I would probably put Medvedev beating the dog, but. Um, Medvedev's got to get through Felix Auger-Lassime and then hmm. Sinner and Tsitsipas are both playing amazing tennis. Um, specifically, Sinner, I think, has taken his game to a new level. So, look, it's it's the titles are far from one, um, but it would be very exciting to see them play in the final, obviously. Hey, Sebastian, it feels like forever now we've been talking about the next guy, the next guy. And, and in that group, we got Shapovalov, 
uh, Sitsipas, Medvedev were some of these characters that we're kind of hyping up to be the next character. Adam Sinner and then Felix as well. And a lot of them are still here in this tournament, taking the opportunity with no Roger and now no Novak. So they all put, find themselves in this tournament. Medvedev kind of, I feel like, put himself a, a layer above. And then Sitsipas is right there. But of these young guys... Is there one that you think could take this opportunity with open hands and open arms and really kick off their career as an elite men's singles player? Yeah, look, I mean, there's a there's a lot there's a lot of water on the bridge between going from a quarterfinal to winning a slam. Um, but for me, Yannick Sinner is the next number one. Um, I do think he'll actually probably get there before Titi Pass or Zverev maybe get the chance, just because his level. First of all, his level's incredible, and he's just winning more and more and more big matches. Um, doesn't really seem to phase him too much. So I don't know if this will be his tournament, but I would definitely see him winning a slam in the next year or two and probably becoming number one um, as soon as you know, as soon as Nadal um, and Djokovic kind of drop off a little bit. So we're going to go to 5.30 today, mate. You've got, you've got Venus and Putz versus Kyrgios and Kokonakis. Uh, wouldn't it be great yeah. to see an upset? I, the odds are shortening. So Venus are in at $1.92 to Kyrgios's doubles partners and at one seventy six. Uh, decent money, one ninety two on Venus? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, it's, it, that match is up in the air completely. I think it'll be probably one of the most exciting matches of the tournament, singles or doubles. Um, Kokonakis and Kyrgios are just, you know, I think it'll probably be the only match of the year that they've got a full, full stadium for doubles, um, which is, which just shows, you know, the character that the two Aussies bring. Um, obviously, I would absolutely love it for Mike to go through and win another Grand Slam. Um, it's, it's tough to pick, but I think it will be an incredible match. And out of all the matches that are lined up for the next couple of days, that's the one I really want to watch. Is it having having Nick Kyrgios and uh, Kokonakis playing here in front of full stadiums as a doubles tandem? Is that good for the sport of doubles? Is that great to see them go deep into the comp? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, look, Kyrgios, Kyrgios gets a full stadium no matter where he goes. So a lot of a lot of credit to him on that. Um, despite you know a lot of a lot of drama he can cause, he's an exciting player and uh, definitely someone everyone always wants to watch. So I think a big part of that is Kyrgios's personality and what he brings to the game. Um, but obviously, also just you know, Australian Open, couple of young, couple of young Australians that have been pushing hard for the last few years, and they just get everyone fired up. And the the crowd this year has been unbelievable. Um, everyone's come out of lockdown and they're, <laughs> they're super hyped up. So it's it's really cool to watch. But it's yeah, again, it's a tough one to pick. But I think Kyrgios and Kyrgios together are something that's really good for tennis. And it's obviously in Australia, it makes it even better. Hey, Seb, I'm thinking, just trying to remember, but you you spent quite a bit of time in France, right? I did, I did. I spent 10 years over there. That was a different chunk. So, yeah, yeah y- yesterday, um, uh, Elisa Cornet, 60-odd yeah. Grand Slams in a row, first quarter final, 13 years since she got as was an 18-year-old and was in the fourth round and didn't go on to the quarterfinals, probably thought she'd be back time yeah. and time again. Just as a story and knowing how much she loves her tennis and how much of a kind of a workhorse and warrior she's been on the tour for so long, was that quite special for you? Did you kind of feel the emotion as well? Oh, look, I, I think she, she's always been someone that I, I, I've known her for quite a long time. Grew up, I mean, didn't grow up necessarily with her, but saw her at tournaments from a young age. And she's always been, she's always been someone that there's been a lot of expectation on. You know, she was winning a lot of junior tournaments in France, winning Europeans, winning everything. And it's kind of like, Everyone just, like you said, everyone expected her just to go on and 
maybe not win a slam, but go deep in a lot. And I think, I think it just shows the determination you need in tennis. You know, a lot of people could have said, look, why didn't you stop a few years ago, et cetera, et cetera. But just that grit, the determination, taking your chances, um, you never know when it will come. You know, it's only, it's only three, four matches that you have to win in a row. But those matches, you know, just every point counts. So, look, it's really cool to see her. Uh, it's actually really cool to see Madison Keys as well coming back um, with a really strong performance. She's a dangerous player. And that, that women's quarterfinal, you know, it's, and Ashley Barty's playing unbelievable tennis. Um, she's probably the favorite there. But with Daniel Collins, Pagula, Keys, um, and a bunch of others, it's like there's some pretty big headers out there. So it'll be really interesting to see how that tournament runs. Awesome, man. That's some great analysis. Sebastian Levy, the, uh, what's the, give us the exact name of your tennis academy so I don't bugger it up. No, you're good. Uh, Levy Tennis Academy, spot on. Levy Tennis Academy, awesome stuff, man. Coaching our next generation, making sure we're going to have we're going to have New Zealand flavour in this tournament for years to come. Love your work. We'll catch up again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There you go. He's a, he's a good dude, Seb. Mm. Yeah, how good. Um, I know he's, he's had some good players come through his academy as well um, in Auckland. So, I mean, Marcus Daniel went through the academy as well. So, yeah, I know he bombed out second round, got past the first round, but so. I mean, I'm sure he would be a bit gutted with that, but it sounds fizzed up. I think Michael Venus sounds sounds like he they get past this match. They're odds-on favourites, right? What do you reckon? Well, okay. Yeah? Well, okay, okay. So what you're telling me is don't bet him to win today. Bet him to win the tournament. There's no point betting him, betting him to beat. dollar ninety-two. So should we have a look at the futures? I think we should have a look. <laughs> I, knew, I know where I, you're going. I think we should have a look. Okay. Let's see. Australian Open men's. Do they have doubles on the tab.co.nz? If not, we're going to have to get in touch with Paul Mawati before he yeah, comes on. Right. And we'll try and work out. Well, they must have they must have doubles if you found the odds before. I'll let you beaver away on that. Mm. I just can't get enough of this Elise Cornet story. I, I really can't. I was actually quite emotional yesterday um, watching it. I shed a tear out the corner of my eye. I thought it was such a, a quite like a, not just emotional, but almost like rewarding experience to watch somebody who has toiled for so long. I could mm. feel the secondhand, like the, the secondhand relief from her, just the pure relief. And, and you could feel that coming through the screen. And that's just, that's it's what sport's about. I pick you as an emotional guy, Louis. I'm so very, very got, in tune with my emotions. Yeah, you've got a wedding to go to in Fokotane soon, don't you? So you're going to shed a tear? You go down and support your missus? Yeah, their friend's yeah. wedding. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Can't wait. Shit for uh, Gregor and Mick's wedding. And so if you're struggling, good, good people, good exactly, kiddies. exactly. So if you are struggling to get emotional wedding, you just think about Elisa. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gets the tears flowing, eh? Emotions run high. Emotions and tennis and weddings all go hand in hand in hand. And um, I don't have to worry about Shannon marrying Nick Kyrgios at the altar because she's more into Giannis Antetokounmpo, <laughs> as we know now. Anyway, um, but Nick Kyrgios is a highly emotional guy. Have a listen to this. We played away in Croatia. It would have been the same thing. So it was just our energy. And I think at the end of the day, they were a bit salty. They lost. They've won their fair share of tournaments. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought that handle handle losing a little better than that. But at the end of the day, we're just trying to entertain the crowd. We didn't mean anything disrespectful. We're trying to get ourselves and our energy up. It was uh, it was a little aggressive on his part, though, for yeah, sure. And just you know, enjoy your flight home. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume that was Kokonakis speaking, yeah, Kokonakis handling it all pretty well. And then yeah. big swinging Nick, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Just enjoy your flight home. Yeah, so good, bro. And they were talking just before that that they'd 
um, pretended that they were going to act professional and go down to the gym and do like a cool down. <laughs> do, really, they were just going to go have a few beers, play yeah, FIFA. And they were over, they were over uh, in the other part of the gym. Like, and there was one of them just uh, the coach, I think, smashed like a um, a foam roller against a pillar or something like that. Yeah, so they were talking about yeah, funny <laughs> Nick Kyrgios. Well, look, I'd love to see. Our boy Marcus Venus, <laughs> Michael Venus, <laughs> Michael Venus, um, send him packing. Yeah. That'd be gold, and then see what sort of salt Nick Kyrgios has got. Maybe he would, imagine how good it would be for New Zealand media. How much we would love it if Nick Kyrgios insulted us, because mm. you know we, we're so obsessed about New Zealand and New Zealand. Like we always want to know oh, what, what do they think about New Zealand. Though? Like we're always obsessed about the rest of the world's opinion. International media reacts to All Blacks' loss. Like yeah. we love that stuff. Imagine if Nick Kyrgios came after us. It'd be the it'd be the best news day ever. <laughs> it would lead all the bulletins, mate. Wouldn't it? Yeah. We'd love it. Yeah, too right. We yeah, love love what people think of how we, how we go down here, don't we? So if Mike can just get a job done for us, Michael yeah. Venus, and then um, hopefully he turns on us, it would be fantastic. Uh, good to catch up with Sebastian <laughs> Levy there. I don't think we're going to get it out of Kyrgios, mate. I don't think he would care. Does he know about New Zealand? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I'd love to know. He knows about Croatia. So. He, he does. Enjoy your flight home. Uh, Paul Mawadi, the party not far away here on SCNZ Summer Breakfast. Keep your messages coming through. Most unreal, unbelievable sport you've watched. Cricket World Cup final. Mahomes, Allen, duking it out sort of stuff. We've got messages we'll get through shortly. We're also going to try and find these doubles odds if we can and let you know what they're paying to win it all here on SCNZ Summer Breakfast. I'll tell you what else is going on. Volleyball, the beach, the New Zealand uh, beach tour that they've been running, well, had a proper good go over the weekend. Uh, a couple of fantastic efforts. And one person that loves her beach volleyball, she loves her netball, she's a, a total workhorse, has been uh, playing high-level sport for so long now. It's Anna Harrison. It's great to catch up with Anna this morning. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Thank you. How was it getting out there on the sand and, and really getting stuck in with some pretty pretty cool athletes? Yeah, I'm stoked to be back. And when you start a competition, it's um, yeah, it's exciting, it's nervous, and it was great to get the first one under the belt. Um, yeah, noticed the deeper sand at the mount because I've been training here. Marangi courts are a bit shallower, so the legs are a bit tighter. But we made it through with Rachel Gunn into the finals or semis and finals on Sunday. So it was a good effort by us. I'm really proud of us. So what's your goal this year, Anna? Are you uh, you're trying to you're trying to qualify for the Com Games with Rachel, um, or or are you really trying to uh, look at focusing? Of are you even going to look at going to Com Games uh, with the netball netball girls this year as well? Um, no. So when I finished stars last year, um, I thought, oh, because Com Games was never available when I was playing beach volleyball, and it would have been great to have a pinnacle event like that to aim for. So. Mm. Part of me was like, yeah, let's see if I can do that because it's a year to go. Um, but then I talked to the selectors and then COVID hit and um, training didn't happen and Shauna and Alice, who are our number ones, were overseas doing great. And so reality kicked in that Com Games um, for beach volleyball is a long shot. So um, there's six of us on a long list for beach volleyball, but really Shauna and Alice are the ones that will go through because um, I've got the results. So my goal is to play volleyball, to try and be competitive against them because that's that other thing. When I was playing, Susan and I, my partner Blundell, we'd come back and we'd play the New Zealand tour, but the um, you wouldn't have the same competition. And it's important to put be under pressure. So when you go overseas, it's not a new feeling. So 
we'd like to provide that competition for them. There's a wee way to go because I've been playing for a while now. Um, but that's the goal. I love the game. It's great to be back. And netball-wise, I'm playing another season for Stars. So I'm looking forward to getting back into that team. I'm mixing them in. Stars is sort of on the back burner with training. Um, and we came to that arrangement at the beginning and um, then go into the full season in March with them. Did, did you see for yourself to still be, let alone dual coding and playing two different sports at a pretty high level, did you see for yourself to still be playing at this point in your life, Anna? No, no, no. The, the, when I retired at well, the end of 2018, netball was supposed to be done. I did not see myself coming back. Um, so this is unexpected. I did see myself playing beach, but no, I didn't think oh, it um, aimed for anything because the world tour is a massive commitment and I've got three kids and a husband that I'm also trying to manage, so I'm not exactly going <laughs> to do for half of the year and play on the world tour. So I thought both of them are sort of gone that part of life but I mean I got a phone call from kids after yeah a couple of years ago and I guess yeah the mind tooted over with husband and yeah to be at this point playing um, the whole New Zealand tour and then going into a franchise season yeah I'm stoked like this is the dream come true that I would have loved to have been doing in the last sort of oh way back in the early 2000s when I was doing both I was sort of I could fit them both in, but it was always sort of the pressure was there to come into netball and perform. And mm. right now, I guess I've earned my, my spot to be able to do both. And I've sort of shown that um, I work to perform on the day. So everything is around my weeks with netball because it's just so much harder on the body is to make sure that come game day, I'm ready to go. So if that means at training, I'm like, I think I'm done. Like body's feeling this, then I'm, I'm much better at saying, I think I need to stop now. And then I recover more. So much more recovery when you're when you're older. Mm. Yeah, and um, touch on that. You guys were off to a flying start last year, and and I think a lot of us here mm. thought that you you guys were going to wrap it up real early. Um, sure, on for yeah. winning. Have you guys had a chance? Obviously, back into preseason now, had a chance to look back and reflect where things went wrong. Oh yeah, there was a lot of reflection, and there was a lot of um, reviewing that went on just to try and nut out what happened there because it was feeling really great. Um, yeah, and then the wheels came off completely. So um, lots of people, lots of individual reflection, but lots of team tweaks going in. I know Kitty has sort of put some things in places that we came out from that review, and it was all positive in that. It was a really great process to go through. And um, I think one of the things that we'll be looking at is that pressure, because when pressure came on, when you started so well, we got that sort of cobwebs out and it felt good, and we started with a hiss and a roar. But then when of pressure came on and we started to feel that we probably didn't cope so well and I think one of the things that people will be working on is um, individually how to keep um, performing when you're feeling the pressure but as a collective as well learning about um, each other and what what might help get someone out of a hole and um, bring you back up and um, yeah, pick each other up so that's definitely a focus for us and I think come the first game everyone will be feeling very nervous about that because you don't want to pick off where we finished last season, because we have majority of the team back. We really just have Kayla Johnson and Holly Fowler that have come in as new but old stars, one of the original stars, some of the original. So that'll be a nerve-wracking game, but and that'll be a great test of how far we've come dealing with that pressure. Anna, it's so cool to hear the zest you've still got for sport. You know, like you really, like you can hear it in your voice that you are loving this balance you've been able to strike. And physically, you're feeling like you're going to be able to get through a, a full year? 
yeah, it was like four years. Whoa, whoa, it was only like six months. That's what I'm telling myself and my body. It's six months I've got to um, manage sort of everything. So I do, I love it. I mean, when you retire, it's, um, it's a massive part of your life that you, you basically lose. There's not really anything else you can replace that with and, and you go through the process of what's next. I mean, I'm lucky. I have this family that gives me a role, but you miss it a lot. And um, again, I'm just... After the season, going into that start season, it was very nerve-wracking. Um, a lot more worry than nerves. I know this, you could argue that they're the same thing, but for me, that's how I describe it. Like you can get nervous before games, but there was a lot. There's a lot more worry as I get older. Worry that I'm going to break. Worry that I can't cope. Worry that I'm letting something slide at home. So to get that season, once the season started, I felt like, no, I can do this. Then, then I, it becomes enjoy the moment because it does depart. And I've been fortunate. This is my 20th year playing a franchise. I started in 2002 with the Rebels. And I'm just kind of mentally like, you just, I'm soaking it up because um, I love the game and I'm still able to do it. I mean, how lucky am I? 20 years. Incredible. Incredible. I knew, I knew you'd been in our lives for a long time, but I didn't know it was 20. That, that's, a, that's amazing. And I think yeah, so. In and, out, in and out of your lives. I'm one of those, I flitter in and then I flitter out, have a baby, go to volleyball, come back to netball. So I'm, I don't know what that tells somebody, but I'm in and out. It's awesome. Great to catch up this morning. We're, um, wow, that's, uh, to be honest, stoked for you. You're loving it. That's awesome. So we'll catch up again throughout the year, I'm sure. Okay, great. Cool.